Why, hey there. My name is Darcy Jeremy. You're listening to another episode of the Business of Ergonomics podcast. Today, we're talking about the top 10 changes that you can make when you're doing an ergonomics assessment in the office. This is part one of a two-part series. Buckle up and let's do this. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Before jumping into this episode, I want to share what inspired me to make it. So one of the highlights of the Accelerate program personally is being able to connect to other ergonomics consultants in a way that fosters growth. It's awesome. One way that I really love is what's called the ergonomic showdown. I have Camille come in and she walks us through various trends, various types of equipment. Every month we have a theme. It's really neat. And it's a way that every piece of equipment is almost torn apart. Ergonomics consultants in the group, we look at the pros and the cons and the use cases. Oftentimes what we realize is what goes into developing a piece of ergonomic equipment, whether it's a Kickstarter or a trend, is actually way off the use case. Oftentimes we'll look at pieces of equipment could, that could be marketed for a specific idea in the marketer's eye, the developer's eye, where someone from an occupational therapist background doing ergonomics already can peel that away and say that that piece of equipment would be perfect for a certain accommodation. So that brought up this discussion of, wouldn't it be great if ergonomics consultants like us had the opportunity to talk to designers at the get-go so there's not so much wasted space and energy and the products could get to the people who actually needed it? Wow! Well, can you imagine that only a few days after, another one of our members of Accelerate got approached by a chair manufacturer in her local area. And what happened was that they asked her what her personal opinion was of the most important features to include in a chair. It came full circle, and we were able, as a group, to share pros, cons, concerns, feedback to this person in order to help her in this really unique opportunity. I've been in the ergonomics field for 15 years, give or take, and I've only had an opportunity like this come around, I think, once? Maybe not even once. I'm not even sure. So that was such a highlight for me. And that inspired me to develop this episode based on the top 10 changes that I've found to work really well in an office. One of the biggest misconceptions about ergonomics is that it's very costly. And this is a barrier that is in between you and your ideal clients, whether or not they are small business owners, 
medium to large organizations. Knowing that this is going to be a big objection to our services allows us to handle it with simple examples such as what I'm going to share with you today that can put your clients at ease before you start your first assessment. The first feature I want to talk about that I think is the most important according to my experience and literature is the lower back or lumbar support. And this is the most often type of adjustment that I would see that was misaligned and The lumbar support is the area in the lower part of the backrest that comes outward. It's a concave shape, and it's meant to support the inward curve of your back. Oftentimes, it was either too high or too low. The backrest can fall over time. So even coaching your client that they need to be aware of a falling backrest maybe every month to ensure that it's comfortable is a really good approach to this that won't cost any money. Sometimes too, for more costly chairs, there can be a density or pressure issue in the lower back. This really highlights an opportunity for ergonomics consultants because it's not just me realizing this. Members of our Accelerate group have also said that most people in the office just don't feel comfortable making these changes themselves. So. As professionals, we really have to coach our clients on how and when to make these adjustments because for specifically the backrest, often backrest can fall over time. So what was adjusted perfectly for them in the assessment may not be useful or comfortable for them in the next month. As a service provider, I hope that you see the opportunity for a variety of services to offer your clients. Is it um, an annual check-in or a quarterly check-in to see if everyone's adjusted correctly? Or when they get a new chair from um, a vendor, is, is that an opportunity to come in and adjust that chair for them? Because most won't. The next feature I want to get into is the backrest angle. There's a common misconception that to be considered ergonomic, one must sit with a back angle of 90 degrees. But that's actually not the most neutral back posture to sit in. It's not as bad as leaning forward, but the most ergonomic sitting position is between about 93 and 113 degrees. Alrighty, so let's move on to number three. The desk height. Yes, this was an unconventional type of an adjustment to consider, especially when we are thinking about all the different types of adjustability items in a typical office. I think the desk height is an unsung hero because its effect on that person's discomfort cannot be overlooked. Now, When we're talking about making sure someone is adjusted optimally, one of the really important aspects is the hand working height. And we all know how important that is. If it's too high or too low, the rest of that person's body is going to compensate. And that's where discomfort stems out of. So we want to position that person in an optimal sitting position. And the way to do this is to ensure that the desk height 
or the hand working height is just slightly below that person's neutral elbow height. There's obviously equipment fixes, but a really simple change that you can make is just by increasing the height of the chair or obviously lowering the desk height if it's an adjustable height desk or if they have a keyboard tray. Okay, so making that change doesn't necessarily cost anything, especially because most people have a height adjustable chair or perhaps they have a keyboard tray or a height adjustable uh, desk. So making sure that that is in an optimal position is so important. And adding to that, you'd be surprised about the amount of times that you would go into an office setting and see that almost everybody has a, a desk height that's far too high, above a neutral elbow height. This is a simple change that can improve comfort. And like I said, does it cost anything in most cases? One last thing. If you are going to be increasing the chair height to have an optimal hand working level, want to make sure you pay special attention to those feet. Feet always have to be firmly against the ground. And if you raise the chair to a certain height that the feet are no longer making firm contact, you have to look at solutions there. Not saying that they need a footrest, but you can get something to fill that gap. Um, if there's a footrest present, go ahead. Often it's just as simple as putting something like text or paper below in that gap so that person doesn't have to sit with their feet dangling. Alrighty, let's move on to number four. This is all about the monitor height and whether that position is aligned with an optimal sitting position. And you might have noticed doing ergonomics assessments for some time that most people position their monitors far too high. If you consider that the natural downward gaze is about 15 degrees below the horizontal, then this places the top of the monitor to be slightly below a seated neutral eye height. Now, if you consider that a really common source of discomfort is awkward neck positioning, this can be a result of the monitor height being either too high or too low. Now, as an ergonomics consultant, this is where it can start to be quite complex to do these types of adjustments. Because if you've ever gone through one of my webinars before, I describe what's called a domino rally of doom, a fire domino rally, wherein you make one change to one set of equipment to your setup, and that automatically displaces all these other elements. So what was once neutral now throws the whole system off. This is why doing a really good root cause analysis is fundamental to any competent ergonomics assessor. That being said, this is where a call is made. So if the monitor is too high, too high, what are some realistic solutions that can lower it? And what's the trade-off between that and the other elements of a system? If it's too low, there's pretty simple solutions that you can put into place. Monitor riser, textbooks, um, cords of paper, those are all useful things that you can put in. As an ergonomics consultant, it's fallen down to a judgment call on your end to what the best solution will be. 
The next thing I want to talk about is the mouse position. Yes, we're on to number five. This is, quite frankly, my favorite solution in the office. It is so simple, yet it is so commonly overlooked, especially with petite people working with a standard keyboard. Oftentimes, people who complain of right shoulder pain also reach outwardly to mouse. And this can place a lot of strain on the right shoulder because the arm is considered to be an awkward position. There's a couple of really simple, low-cost solutions here. The first one is quite simple. And what it does is simply change where the strain is happening to a more neutral position. And it's to switch to left hand and mousing. I'm sure you've done this many times. It's one of my favorite I seem like I'm a genius <laughs> recommending this and use most with the left hand. I love recommending this to clients. It usually takes about a day to be competent with left-hand mousing and a week to be an expert. So I like to make this change on or recommend the client makes these changes on days when it's not so busy. Fridays are usually okay, so you kind of have the weekend to think about it, but those that Switch to left-handed mousing, find that there's a lot of benefits to them. And often, these people will continue it. They might find that they switch between left and right-handed mousing every couple of weeks to reduce the strain on the mousing arm. And it's quite useful for that. Another solution, if that person's not fond of left-handed mousing, and I understand it's not for everyone because it's a disruption of their normal activities and even their workflow for a small amount of time. This is to get a different type of keyboard. This is called a compact keyboard. It's also one of my favorites. I am using a compact keyboard right now. The benefits of a compact keyboard is that it removes the extended reach for mouse for mousing. Um, and that's the whole reason it does have a bit of a price tag, but over the years, the price of a compact keyboard is significantly lower. So there's another example of a solution that actually does cost some money, but again, you as an ergonomic consultant have to weigh all these, all these, uh, features and functions in order for you to make the best recommendation to that client. Sometimes it takes a bit of a of a discussion with your client in order to recommend something that is in line with how they want to work and their balance um, with that and the budget. So there you have it. Those are the top five types of solutions that don't necessarily cost a lot of money that you can recommend to clients. This elaborates on the idea that ergonomic ergonomics is expensive and that it takes a lot of work to put in place. These solutions are simple. They can be put into place immediately. And as you can see, a lot of them depends on your professional experience to what will work best without um, causing everything else in that person's system to fall apart, if you know what I'm saying. This was a really fun episode to record, and I can't wait to record the next part about low-cost solutions that address the misconception that ergonomics is so expensive. Okay, let's chat about this soon. Have a great day. This is Darcy from Ergonomics Help and the Business of Ergonomics podcast, and I'll chat to you soon. So 
If you like what you heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo and you can get started today.